We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, everybody? This is Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I'll be joined by Chris Biederman today, as per usual. That was weird. I don't know why I said it like that. Joined by Chris Biederman today, as if anybody else is ever on this podcast with me. Anyways, we're going to go over some of the latest news uh, with Robert Sala and his head coaching candidacy. We're also going to provide an update on what we're calling Deshaun Watson. Like Deshaun Watson, but watch, you're welcome. I made that up myself right before the pod. And we're going to get into that. And then we're going to look at the 49ers offense and defense and find positions to improve on both sides of the ball for San Francisco this offseason. All right. Thanks. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Chris, I do that little pre-roll bit where I just kind of introduce the pod and say what's coming up. And I never know how to end it. And it's always yeah, you very thank the it's, listeners. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And it's always awkward. It's like when you say bye to somebody and then you walk the same direction. It's like that. Right. Because right. I've said like thanks and now those same people are listening to me again. Like I yeah. feel like so, goodbye. Uh, hello. It's a weird thing and I don't like it, but I like the, I like how the pre-roll thing sounds. So I'm going to keep doing it. I'm just going to figure out a different way to end it. You also said per usual, uh, I think for the first time that I've ever heard you say it. Really? Yeah. Oh, I say per usual, but I, it's one of those, it's one of those words that I started saying ironically. Right. Per usual. Per usual. (laughs) Like who says that? And now I say it all the time. Yeah, that's usually how a lot of stuff goes. You know, like the the affirmative response, oh, word. Right. I started saying that as a joke. Like, right. Haha, it would be funny if I started doing this. This is a good bit. And now it's a thing now. Or you like make fun of something for a really long time. And then that becomes a significant part of your life. The thing you made fun of, like you turn into that. Yes. That That's happened to me recently. Particularly oh, with what clothing. was it? Uh, Lululemon jogging pants. We get it. You buy Lululemon. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) And then I was gifted a pair, and now I never want to wear anything else. (laughs) That's terrific. So I get it. I'm, I'm, when I was younger, before I started drinking good beer, I was make fun of IPA drinker guy. 
And now I'm just like, yeah, is that a quad? Give it to me. <laughs> I, do I, I just, get credit for that? Is that a, oh, do you, it is because of you. Yeah. At the Foster Farms Bowl 2014 or 15 or what? 15, You're I guess. You're welcome. Yeah, man. The Stefan Diggs game is huge. Yeah. Let's get into the reason people are here. Um, do you want to start with Robert Sala or Deshaun Watson? We'll start with Sala because yeah. he's actually a member of the 49ers. So the 49ers defensive coordinator is a finalist for the Jets job. He has a second interview with them in person, according to Ian Rappaport for my NFL media. Adam Schefter also reported Tuesday morning that Sala will interview with the Eagles down in Florida with, with Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie. Um, the only opening Sala has not interviewed for now is the Texans. So we thought he would be a popular candidate. He has been a popular candidate. He's a finalist for the Jets job. Adam Kaplan, uh, NFL insider, was on 95-7 The Game with us this week and mentioned that the Lions really liked Sala and that it would be an upset if Sala is not one of their finalists. So all signs, if they weren't already pointing to the 49ers needing a new defensive coordinator, they're certainly pointing that way now. Where do you think he winds up? I honestly have no idea. Trying to project where coaches wind up really requires knowing their relationships and personality types. And Mm -hmm. frankly, like, I don't know a whole lot about how those dynamics work for a lot of owners throughout the league. But I I was looking at um, sort of the the best the best job for him and maybe the most appealing one. If he is asking your advice, where would you tell him to go? The Chargers. Um, okay. Because they already run the same scheme. They already have the personnel for it. Um, they have really good personnel defensively. And you have a really good quarterback coming off in a really impressive rookie season. And obviously he's going to be under team control at an affordable rate and Justin Herbert for, for the next four years at least. Right. Um, and a good running back in Austin Eckler. And, right. And yeah, you have weapons on, on the offensive side. Um, I understand the Jacksonville appeal, but like, you know, the chargers, you're in LA, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to uproot everything and go, you know, to Florida. Um, although I I mean, he's, he's been to Jacksonville, he's worked there before, so it wouldn't be that crazy of a transition, but just LA, like a a good team in LA. I I can't imagine there being a whole lot, um, a there can't be a much better place to to be a guy making three or four or five million dollars, whatever he's going to get um, per year. So yeah, I think I would rank Chargers first, Jags second, um, Falcons third, Jets fourth, and Lions fifth. I don't even know where to rank Houston because I can't tell if it's like a super appealing job because you have Deshaun Watson. Or if it's a job that you want to completely avoid because of all the strife that's going on there right now. And you might have to take that job and trade Deshaun Watson as like the first big thing that happens after you get hired. Yeah, it feels like not a lot of good things are said about the Texans. The most notable thing they did this year was J.J. Watt's postgame speech where he was like, hey, we suck right now. Sorry, everybody. That's not great. (laughs) <laughs> and well, it's, a, it's a good transition every, to the Watson discussion. The Seth Payne, who is on six ten Sports Radio six ten in Houston, was also on our station at ninety five seven The Game, and we asked how this Deshaun Watson thing came up and how this is even a thing, and <laughs> he basically was like. Well, it's hard to sum up, so I'll try and do it succinctly. And then went on this like two and a half minute tangent about the disaster that is the Houston Texans organization. So I would probably rank them last. And that that includes the Lions and the Jets, who are also fairly disastrous organizations. So, yeah, to me, the Lions are sort of like, I mean, it's not it's not a great place to live by many accounts. Um, I haven't spent too much time in in the state of Michigan, but um Probably not the best place to live in comparison to L.A. or um, other places that potentially could be open. Philadelphia. We didn't talk about Philly. Um, that's a that's a really weird job, I think. 
right now? Like, what are it's if you're Robert Sala, you're going to go interview and talk about? I mean, you you need a plan for your quarterback situation, and like, you're it's an impossible situation because you have to eat all this money to to get rid of Carson Wentz, or you try to bring Carson Wentz back, and is that even possible? Like that to me just does not sound appealing at all, particularly for- if I'm a defensive guy. The 49ers quarterback situation isn't super awesome. Like, it's not the worst, but it's definitely not awesome. And the Eagles quarterback situation is miles worse. And I just think if you're going into a head coaching job, that's the first thing you have to look at, whether you're a defensive guy or an offensive guy. Right. So, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson is what we're calling this bit. So the Texans have decided if if you're not caught up, Deshaun Watson's mad at the Texans because they have not involved him in their GM hiring process. They hired Nick Casario, formerly of the Patriots, and then they didn't interview Eric Bieniemy for their head coaching vacancy, and he was the guy that he wanted the Texans to interview. The Texans have now decided, after Deshaun Watson cut off all communication with them, and reports were saying that after the Texans traded DeAndre Hopkins, Watson was at a two- on a scale to 10 mad he was a he was a two they're saying now he's at a 10 which kind of set off alarm bells like wow this is irreparable he's going to demand a trade well now the texans have said huh maybe we should just interview the guy he wants us to interview so they're going to do that they're going to interview eric Bieniemy, but because they waited so long they now can't do it until after the chiefs are either eliminated from the playoffs or finish the super bowl so this whole thing is now going to drag on for another three weeks. And yeah. I can't imagine that Watson is going to be a lot happier at the end of those three weeks, regardless of how the interview with the enemy goes. Right. I, I think the only, really the only way in my mind, and I'm not plugged in um, into the Texans organization, but like the only thing that would make sense to appease Watson would be to hire the enemy. And I can't imagine, you know, there, there's probably a reason they haven't interviewed Biennemi, and it probably has a lot to do with Nick Casario potentially wanting somebody else. So it's not looking great for that relationship in terms of its longevity, longevity. And it's not looking great for the Texans with Andre Johnson, probably one of the most famous players in franchise history, saying... On Twitter, quote, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I stand my ground. The Texans organization is known for wasting players' careers. Since Jack Easterby has walked into the building, nothing good has happened in for the organization. And for some reason, someone can't seem to see what's going on. Pathetic. Three exclamation points. Um, Oof. And, uh, that third DeAndre exclamation Hopkins, point is what gets me. What's that? I said the third exclamation point is what gets me. Go on. DeAndre Hopkins. Right. Uh, and DeAndre Hopkins gave it a quote tweet and said, when Dre speak, listen. So, like, it's it seems pretty sy- systemic, like, in Houston. Like, they have issues all the way at the top. Um, if they want to hire, it, like, for them to save Deshaun Watson, the relationship, they probably have to hire Eric Bieniemy. but I can't imagine Nick Casario wants to do that because they would have interviewed him a long time ago. So doesn't seem great and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's traded and you know mike sando at the athletic who does a great job one of the best one of the best guys in this business just at at what he does um brought up a good point which i forgot about carson palmer did this in cincinnati right yes we're talking about there's there's no precedent like if you're a disgruntled quarterback who wants out you can get out um and i especially when you have a no trade clause yeah, Deshaun Watson has a no trade clause, which means he picks his destination. Um, so I, I think he's going to be out, and uh, I I have to think given given like the history of Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, like doesn't it always seem like their report like whenever a big name player becomes available, there's always scuttlebutt among the national reporters saying, "Oh, the Niners are really interested in this guy." The Niners are considering it. Like, how can that not happen with Deshaun Watson? Like, I'm, it I'm, has to. Yeah, like the combine. 
Um, the- you know, when when freed the new league year starts in March, like this, the, this is this is gonna keep rolling downhill and gaining steaming and getting becoming a bigger and bigger thing that we're gonna have to acknowledge until there's a resolution with either Watson staying in Houston or getting traded somewhere. And it might be the 49ers. Who knows? So the worst outcome to this Deshaun Watson thing is the worst outcome for the 49ers is he goes on the trading block and he gets traded somewhere. And it gets out that, yeah, the Niners never really placed a call or talks never got serious or something along those lines where, because if they just get outbid, if the Dolphins say, here's Tua and two first this year and a second this year and a first next year and a third next year, like if it's just this monster package that the Niners just aren't going to be able to match, that's one thing. But, if it comes out that San Francisco didn't try and he was available, I think that's going to be a very, very serious issue for a lot of people. I think they're going to, I think they're going to be in the mix. I do too. They have to and there's no reason I, for them not to be. Can I, I'm going to do this on my very tiny megaphone here on the podcast. Um, the fact that the 49ers didn't draft Deshaun Watson in 2017 has nothing to do with what the 49ers think of Deshaun Watson now. I promise. Like, I promise. After watching him be awesome in the NFL for four years, they're not going to go, yeah, but our 2017 eval. Or didn't really watch him in college, so never mind. Like, they've watched him in the pros for four right. years. If, if you think they wouldn't trade for Deshaun Watson because they didn't draft him in 2017, then you would assume that they would draft Solomon Thomas again over everybody else who was good in that draft. And I promise you that that's not the case. Right. right. And right. If they got to go back with the benefit of hindsight to 2017, the 49ers have the hindsight. Nobody else does. They're trading back with the bears and then drafting Deshaun Watson. Or that's Patrick. how that, that's how that draft goes. Or Patrick Mahomes. Or Okay. You're right. It'll be Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but you get, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Like totally, totally. it, the a, the notion that the notion that Shanahan doesn't want a quarterback who runs is silly. He wants a quarterback that can make the throws. If he can also run like Watson, great. So that's right. that's that's where I absolutely think that if he becomes available, the 49ers will be pushing their way to the front of the line and putting together a very sizable trade package to try and acquire him. If the Niners get Deshaun Watson, I think they're the betting favorites in the NFC. I I, th- I think so too. Right, like yes, is, is yeah. There... The day that the day that happens, the articles immediately go up about how watch out for the Super Bowl rematch. The Niners have reloaded and they're ready to face Patrick Mahomes again. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is older. Drew Brees is older. Are you confident that the Seahawks are going to be contending again? Um, you know, do you trust? The if they Rams? figure out their run game, watch out. Right, <laughs> like I, I think that with the way the NFC looks going forward. There's certainly a power vacuum at the top, and I think the Niners could even get there with a healthy roster, including Jimmy Garoppolo. But if you get Deshaun yeah, Watson, right. you're, I mean, you're clearly the betting favorite. And also, like, I think it, you know, the conversation where people are like, "Well, yeah, he would be great," but I don't know about the price Dude. of the trade. Like, you know, three Dude. first round picks is a lot, but like three first round picks for a decade of Deshaun Watson, a potential. Yes. Hall of Famer and somebody who would probably be, you know, the best quarterback maybe in the conference or at least his age in the conference. Like that's worth three first round picks. And also because he has the no trade clause and basically picks where he wants to go. That, like we mentioned in the podcast last week, which we dove into this at length, like that, that could that could depress the price. If he only right. wants to go to the Niners and the Niners are the only team that he's going to be traded to, then why would it the, why would it be uh you know, like why would the 49ers have to trade a package that would result from like a bidding war? Like that bidding war just isn't going to exist if right. Watson says I want to go to the 49ers. Cuz he's That's not going to care what the Texans get back. He's not going to say right. I'll go to the Niners or Dolphins, you work it out, you know, you get the best trade package. He like he's pissed. He doesn't yes. want to do them any favors. Like he's he's going to go where he wants to go. It sounds like, 
And it doesn't sound like he's going to care who offers the best trade package. So it might not even be three first round picks. Right. But if that's, if that's just, even if that is the price, like I just, you do it. when you, you do it. <laughs> right. When you, you look at, when you look first at what. First round picks are awesome, but first round yeah. picks can also be Solomon Thomas and Reuben Foster and, you know, Mike McGlinchey. Right. Right. Like. Yes. Like, I think you and, and I fifth round picks can be better. George Kittle and third round picks can be Fred Warner. Right. You know, right. First round picks are important, but like you have a lot of really good players already. So you don't necessarily like obviously you would like to reload. But if it if if that's the price to get a 25 year old franchise quarterback, I think you do it. And I think you're you you happily do it. Let's talk about the 49ers now if because okay. i think you and i are very much in lockstep on the deshaun watson thing if yeah. you have any arguments against the deshaun watson trade uh at kyle a madsen on twitter shoot me a tweet and let me know i'm open to opinions and thoughts but i'm gonna vehemently disagree with you <laughs> no uh the 49ers so what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at both sides of the football we're gonna start with the offense we'll eventually move to the defense but we are going to look at what positions they need to improve in the offseason. Because despite the injury issues and stuff, there were some warts exposed on their roster. They have some free agents hitting them over, hitting the open market. And I just don't think that there's a realistic scenario where they just run it back with kind of the same-ish roster that they went to the Super Bowl with next season. I think it's going to be a very different-looking team. So let's talk about how they can improve. Chris, I will have you start on the offensive side. What is your top spot that they need to, or maybe not the top, but what's the first one that comes to mind? If I say they can improve one position, which one are you picking for them? It's the interior of the offensive line. And I want to... That's three um, positions. Pick one, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's center. I'll I'll pick one, but you could also convince me right guard because you could use an upgrade. You, you can um, talk about it pre- all. I was just messing with you. Yeah, and I want to preface this. We're just running through sort of basically basing this off what happened last season. I have not de- taken the dive into this draft class. I'm not going to um, say which free agents I think would fit right now. We're going to have plenty of time to dive into that. This is just sort of an autopsy of the roster. Um, and so, you know, with Weston Richburg's status pretty much unknown – um, we don't know if Weston Richburg is going to continue playing football. He's dealt with two very significant leg injuries um, in the last two off seasons, and he just could not come back from his uh, torn patella uh, from from December 2019 uh, this season. There there was a shoulder surgery, but the real issue was his knee, and he just didn't recover fast enough to be in a place um, to to play football at a high level at all in 2020. And now that this is another significant leg injury, you wonder about his future going forward. Um, so basically, I, I just think you if you're the 49ers, you can't bank on Weston Richburg being the center that you signed him to be when you when you gave him that contract in 2018. I think you need to go another direction. And that's that could be with a draft pick. Um, that could be in free agency, although I don't think the 49ers are gonna gonna spend break the bank for another, um, you know, market setting deal at, at that position. Um, so I just, you know, when it comes to getting to the second level on running plays, um, blocking linebackers, pass protection, obviously the 49ers could use a massive upgrade. Um, snapping the ball, Daniel Brunskill just, I mean, you know, he's he's not a natural center, um, but there, there were a lot of bad snaps during the season and not that like they led to fumbles, but when there's a bad snap, it can disrupt the timing of the play. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were a lot of running plays that that come to mind where like there was a bad snap and it threw off the timing on a shotgun play and you know, the run didn't go anywhere, things like that, that um, might, you know, might not, you might not think about a whole lot, but like watching the 49ers play, there was just a lot of issues with, with the, uh, with the snaps throughout the season. So yeah, I just think, the the 49ers who were down to basically their fourth string center by the end of the season with Daniel Runsko playing there. Um, I think it's safe to say they, they need to make a significant investment um, in that position uh, this off season. And, and you could say the same about right guard. 
Yeah, that's just, that was, I think that was going to be something of an issue, even if they didn't have so many injuries at that spot this year. But it just became clear throughout the year they probably need new starters at those two spots and need better depth, too. It just, it was a mess. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't, I don't think they'll go their first round or anything, but it wouldn't surprise me if they have two fifth round picks. They have a couple, they're going to have a couple, or they're going to have one third and they're going to have a couple sevenths. It wouldn't surprise me if they move around the board a little bit to try and grab a couple of interior linemen to try and add to the mix and see if they can find a, a better starting group. Because I, I completely agree. If they're going to, if they're going to be an elite offense, they can't be dominated on the interior like they were. I mean, even at times last season, yeah, it was it was an issue. So this this I'm, would be a I'm good draft if they move back to do the thing where you just move back and then take like the best center in the draft in the twenties, right? Right. If that guy's there, right? Because that I can have happen. Not- Sometimes you can get the best center in a draft class in like late first or in the second. I have not grinded the tape yet on yeah, this I haven't year's gone center the class. Yeah, yeah, yeah so I'm only on left guard right now. I'm making my way down the line. So. <laughs> 125 names here, Chris. It's no, I'm joking. Hot, hot a tape to grind. <laughs> the first one that came to mind for me is the quarterback spot. And I'm going to say this all offseason. Even if they stick with Garoppolo, which is what I think they're going to do, and I think they can win the Super Bowl if they stick with Garoppolo. That's my take. That's it. They need to get better in the quarterback room as a whole, though. And I think they can kill two birds with one stone if they get better at the quarterback two spot and perhaps draft somebody relatively early who can be in that QB two spot and offer an upgrade while also being groomed to potentially be the long-term Starter in the event that it doesn't work out with Garoppolo. And the fact the 49ers haven't extended him yet lets me know that there are still some questions. And of course, his health is a concern. So there are still some questions that he needs to answer. And if Garoppolo is not going to do that, they need to start finding his replacement now. And I think that they can do that while also uh, improving at the backup quarterback spot. Maybe they bring back Beathard to be the QB3 because by the time you're at your third QB... um, you know, there's there's not there's not a ton of guys who are gonna who are gonna go out and win you games as a third quarterback, but I I think the backup quarterback spot is one that they certainly have to get better at, not only for this year but for the long term. What about Josh Rosen? What about him? Has he solved all of the 49ers quarterback issues or just like ninety five percent of them? So here's my biggest concern with Josh Rosen. I'm doing a bit. Here's my biggest concern with Josh Rosen. Um, So I'm guessing they'll have preseason games next year, at least two. And if they keep Rosen around, he's probably going to play in some of those games. And if he lights it up, I just don't see how the 49ers don't go in with some kind of quarterback controversy where now they have two quarterbacks. It's Garoppolo. Is it Rosen? Who's the guy? And you know, that's fine. But if you have two quarterbacks, Chris, you have no quarterbacks. And (laughs) I just, if they're going to, if they're going to go forward with Rosen, I can't even like, I just, I don't think Rosen has it. And I'm not a Josh Rosen guy. Um, I was going into the draft, but I've seen him play in the NFL and he's not very good. Maybe Kyle Shanahan unlocks something, but uh, if they do bring Rosen back, I would imagine it is as a guy to just add competition. I don't think they're going to go lock him in as the the QB two and possible long term answer. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he'll he'll be in the mix for the for the backup job. If he's your second or third quarterback, I think you're fine. If it's Garoppolo, Rosen, and and a draft pick. Um, I think that could be a, a pretty sizable upgrade over over what the 49ers have had. And and regarding Nick Mullins, we don't know when he's going to be able to throw again um, because he's going to have Tommy John surgery. He's a restricted free agent. So basically the 49ers would be able to match any contract offer he gets. Um, but I don't know if there are going to be a ton of offers for a backup quarterback coming off Tommy John. So it'll be, um, it's not, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Mullins, but I can't imagine the 49ers are operating as if he's going to be 
a contributor to it, even if they decide they, they want to bring him back coming off that surgery. So, um, let's move on to the next one. How about a, uh, a number two tight end? Yeah. And, I, uh, I don't think Ross Dwelly or Charlie Werner are the guy. I'm not punting well, on Charlie Werner yet, but go ahead. Well, what about Jordan Reed? Um, I feel about Jordan Reed the same way I feel about Jason Barrett. Like, awesome, bring him back, have him in the mix. But if the 49ers are looking at the the landscape and going, okay, Kittle's a starter, Jordan Reed's the tight end two, and Werner's the tight end three, I just think that's that's a lot of guys who could very easily miss games. Yeah, I agree. So Jordan Reed appeared in 10 games. He had a knee injury early in the season, um, made one start. 26 catches, 231 yards, uh, four touchdowns. Um, I think he's worth bringing back. I don't think there's any harm in bringing him back on another, you know, prove it contract. He might. Sure. If another team offers more than, you know, a very minimal deal, um, you know, wish him well and, and, you know, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be getting in any bidding wars to bring back Jordan Reed. But I think if if the situation for him is exactly the same as this year, um, I'd for sure bring him back because we never really did get to see that Jordan Reed George Kittle combination. Um, and it might be that now that Reed has been you know played football for a year, maybe his body will um, will be you know maybe in in better shape than it was after a year away from the game, right? Um, yeah. So I'd bring him back on a minimal contract, but I would, you know, if the 49ers used an early draft, you know, a, I guess something before the fourth round or, or earlier, something like that, like if they added a tight end who could potentially be a pass catcher, um, I think that that would be something they could certainly use. And maybe they get that if Jalen Hurd ever gets healthy. But um, yeah, I, th- I just think they need some George Kittle insurance. They could use somebody to eat into his snaps. Because, um, you know, if I think it's going to be tough to count on George Kittle to play 95% of all the snaps next year. And, you know, I, I think 14 games a season for him is probably about the max what you're going to get because his body's just taking a lot of punishment and you need you need a backup plan um, because George Kittle's too important not to have any any sort of insurance at that at, at that position in case, you know, he does have to miss half the season again. Yeah, I, I I agree. It it can't be George Kittle goes down and that position becomes a wasteland. Yeah. It just it it's too important to what the 49ers do on offense to be subpar behind George Kittle. You need to have somebody who can at least be effective in a spot start. I think Dwelly is a fine third tight end. Um and like I said, I'm interested to see what Charlie Werner does with a full offseason to A, learn the offense, and B, get stronger in an NFL training program. Yeah. But um, I, I I agree. I, I think they need to bring in – I bring back Jordan Reed for sure, but then I do think an, an additional player at, at, at that spot is, is probably valuable because – upgrading over Dwelly and or Werner I I think would be would be beneficial because I don't think either of those guys are going to be anything more than than bit players and in the best version of this offense agreed um Uh, last one on offense um running back and potentially fullback so I, I put this down because you know I think Raheem Mostert's really good um, but I think we also learned that it's probably a better idea uh, not to rely on Raheem Mostert to get, you know, 15, 20 touches a game. I, I think you probably ideally want to be in that 10 to 15 touch range to where you can put him in situations where he's obviously good and you don't have to ask him to be that every down guy that he's really never been. And he wanted to be this year and it just, you know, it didn't work out. And he had high ankle sprains and a knee sprain and and stuff like that. And that happens. Um, That's not an indictment on him. But if the 49ers were to to make an actual investment in a running back, um, 
And when I say that, I mean like draft a running back, not just have a bunch of undrafted free agents. Like I think, I think it would be a good move because, you know, I, I think this team could justify a luxury pick like that. Um, because they do have a lot of talent on the roster and you say, all right, well, you know, we like another, a star running back potentially in Kyle Shanahan's system added to what's already there. or just a really good one. It doesn't even have to be a star, but like if you added another one to what the 49ers already have, not only are you more explosive, but you just have more depth. And mm-hmm. I know, you know, the 49ers do a really good job, um, you know, with Bobby Turner and Kyle Shanahan, um, developing running backs and, but it, but if there's one that you like in the middle of the draft, um, I wouldn't hesitate because I, I think in order to maximize Raheem Mostert, you need to take a little bit off his plate. Agreed. Um, and I, I think having somebody else, you know, Jeff Wilson Jr. is good. Um, but just having, having somebody really dynamic, I, uh, to, to sort of compliment Mostert because, you know, Wilson's good. I don't know how dynamic he is. If that right. makes sense, like, um, so to get to get another dynamic guy, like, you know, what what a healthy Jarek McKinnon would have been, you know, like when he came over in 2018, like somebody like that. Um, and obviously, you know, you're probably not going to want to rely on Jarek McKinnon being a focal point of of the running back group as the 49ers learned this year, just because he's he's not the same guy and just doesn't have the same juice as he, as he did. Um, when the 49ers first signed him in 2018. I think I think the running back group going into the offseason or going into the year, assuming they don't make any changes, it's Raheem Mostert, it's Jeff Wilson, and then Jamichael Hasty. And which is probably fine, at, but like no, you but, could you could yeah. Yeah, I just don't I, I just I don't think there's any harm in improving the running back room. I think the trio of running backs they have is fine. If you go in with Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, and Jamichael Hasty, and you tell me you're going to get that trio for 16 games, you feel pretty good about it. But given the fact that Raheem Mostert was banged up this year, Jeff Wilson was hurt, and frankly, Jeff Wilson going into this year was averaging less than four yards a carry. Um, Jamichael Hasty is still a pretty unproven uh, quantity. So if there's a player on day three of the draft, if there's a running back that you think can be a kind of multifaceted weapon in your offense. I don't think there's a problem with improving that, especially if he becomes your number two running back and he's splitting carries with Mostert, helping keep Mostert fresh. And he's getting 10 to 12 touches a game, both as a runner and as a receiver on day three of the draft. There's just a ton of value there. I I think, especially for what Shanahan wants to do on offense. You know what? I don't have an answer for, which I've thought about Um, the meaning of life. Yeah. Well, besides that, Okay. I don't know what the 49ers are going to do if they lose Kyle Juszczyk. Because Josh Hokett, man. Hockett? Right. Hokett? Um, Fresno State legend? <laughs> that that's fullback that was on the practice squad. Yeah, that that's certainly a player. Um <laughs> I I just don't know, you know, do they because Juszczyk is so unique in what he does and what he provides the offense. I don't know if you go try to replicate that with somebody else, or if you scrap the fullback position altogether, um, or like maybe you make Ross Dwelly do it. Um, I'm fascinated to see what happens. And I think use needs to be, I think the 49ers need to bring him back. I do too. Um, and I think they, you know, it, I, I don't know what their cap situation is going to be, but if it's not at the $175 million floor and it's maybe at 180 or 185 or 190 whatever, I think you try to use that extra money that's available to you to bring back check because I think he's kind of, uh, you know, George Kittle said it, he's kind of one of one right. in the sense that, like, nobody really does what he does. And given how versatile and valuable he is to the offense – I just don't know what the 49ers do if they lose him. If they, you know, do, do they scrap the position altogether? The, do, do, do they try to replicate it with somebody else? I think that's that's asking a lot. And so the fullback position is it might have to um, get addressed if you do not bring full, if you don't bring Juszczyk back. Yeah, that would be fascinating to see how they operate in that scenario. Because we see Sean McVay doesn't even roster a fullback. And they do fine. So it would be very interesting to see what the 49ers do moving forward. But 
I think we talked about this on the last pod where if Trent Williams is priority one, use checks priority two. Then yeah. probably K1 Williams and then whatever else. Yeah. I, I just I, I I like I think he's that important to their offense. Assuming Shanahan wants to run the run the same stuff, that kind of power run game and all the deception and stuff they can do with with Yuschek. Assuming that that's the route they want to go, I would rather, if I'm San Francisco, re-sign Yuschek and then bring in undrafted free agent defensive backs and draft some cornerbacks and bring in some cheap veterans and just try and figure the secondary out. Yeah. Because that's where I think a lot of their, their other money would go is Emmanuel Mosley's a, a free agent. He's restricted, I believe. Kwan Williams, a free agent. Akella Witherspoon, Richard Sherman. Like, there's all these there's all these spots are going to have to fill. I would, I wouldn't be surprised if San Francisco prioritizes use check and then, you know, figures out the secondary another way. Yeah. There are other ways to do it. I mean, it's, you you could draft corners. I don't know that there's a fullback in this draft that you could just be like, all right, go be our Kyle use check. Now like use check has been with the 49ers throughout the entirety of Kyle Shanahan's tenure. Yeah. Right, like everybody in that system has has developed in it with a quality fullback and a guy who's most often the smartest guy in the field and who fixes a lot of problems, right? Like he adjusts on the fly and um, you know, can can change his, his blocking assignments mid play and all of that stuff. And and you know, another thing Kittle said in his exit interview about use check was just the fact that the 49ers had some really explosive plays that were made possible because of adjustments he made either pre-snap or post-snap, um, whether that be, you know, switching his blocking assignment late or whatever. Um, but I, I just think that's not something that you're just, you're, you're going to fix, um, with somebody else. It, you know, I, I, I think it would take, it would take a, it, it would be a big undertaking, maybe an underrated undertaking if you did have to replace Ustrek, just given how familiar, how familiar he's been, and how everybody that's developed within the offense has been used to having somebody like that there, if that makes sense. Yep. Hey, you want to talk sure. about Blue Wire Hustle? Uh, do I? Hell yeah, Let's you do. do it. Yeah. Let's hey, everyone. What if I just did the read like that? Hey, everyone. <laughs> I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle and a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. My NPR voice. No, Blue Wire Hustle. It's a real thing. It's a brand new program. You can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. See, I said the same thing, but I said it with a different inflection in my voice, so it sounded different. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. Chris, we've given testimonials on this before. Um, If you and I had just tried to start a podcast on our own... I think we might be by now, like let's assume everyone, everything went the same. We might be like at the square one we were at when we started with blue wire by now. Sure. Yeah. Like basically what blue wire does is connect, connect you with the money-making apparatus, just to be frank. Like, I don't know anybody at these companies who sponsors us. That's part of the network's job. Um, and why we work so well with everybody over there. And, that could be something that could help you launch a podcast off, you know, off the ground. Like if you, if you really like podcasting, but you don't know how to market, um, you don't know how to create artwork, you don't know how to publish anything on a podcast feed, which I don't, um, then Blue Wire does all that for you. So um, this is a really unique opportunity because I think podcasting, it already is a major part of of just the content consumption game right now. Um, and, and I think it, that it's, it's going to stick around for, for the long run. I think, um, it's just going to be such an important part of the media landscape that if you're good and you have a passion for it, I think this is a great opportunity for you to get your foot in the door, um, and, and get your voice out there. And, and if you are good, then people are going to respond. And that's what blue wire does is they, um, they connect those voices to to the audience and, and provide everything that you need um, on the back end to to make a little money out of it. So 
Um, highly recommend Blue Wire Hustle. I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for anybody interested in podcasting. Now I'll finish the read. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to your our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. That's basically all the stuff Chris was just talking about. They're going to hand it all to you and make make a very difficult process a lot easier. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only 15 bucks a month. That's the same rate as another hosting site would charge you just for this setup, just to just to host the podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On their network, you record it, you get all the stuff, and then just to put your content on their site, it's going to cost you 15 bucks. but BlueWire is going to give you all that stuff I just named, the Q&As, the personal cover art, e-learning courses, community Discord, all of that, plus they'll help you push your podcast out to all the listening platforms for $15 a month. So whether you're starting from scratch or you have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. So acceptance into this program is limited. But get your application in today. You can do that by going to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff. And it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Um, defense. Let's talk about the 49ers defense. It was very good this year, even though they were very banged up. When we were looking through the positions they might improve this offseason it's like a lot almost all of them <laughs> yeah let's just we we have a list of four things here let's just start at the top and run down cornerback is the first one san francisco has no cornerbacks under contract going into the next year if the season started today they would not have a secondary save for jimmy ward so enter various how do you enter various more good point they have a couple safeties and given how versatile those two guys are, it might work. But <laughs> what we already went over a little bit how you can go about fixing the cornerback issue. There's the draft, there's free agency, there's resigning guys, uh, there's guys who were on the practice squad last year. But if you're predicting how they get, let's say they keep five cornerbacks, how do they acquire those five cornerbacks? I, I don't need Jason, names, just... I, I think Jason Verrett has a decent chance of getting re-signed. I think his injury history is going to make it hard for him to get a landmark contract, and I think that gives the 49ers a boost in terms of their chances at retaining him. Um, but, you know, I, I think... I don't I don't know that you can count on Verrett to be, like, the guy that solves the answer, right? Because Or, or solves the question, because, like... Mm-hmm because of the injury history. You just don't know. He had a very good season and he was healthy. But to, you know, to say, all right, we saw one healthy season from Jason Verrett and now we don't need to 
um, we don't need to make another investment in quarterback, I think would be problematic. So I would bring Jason Verrett back, but I would also draft somebody highly and I would peruse free agency in the trade market, of course. Um, you know, I, I, I would try to bring back Richard Sherman to a point um, if he was committed to playing. Um, but it would just be really, you know, like it's it's tough to, as good as Richard Sherman is and as much or as good as he's been and as much as you want him to be in the building influencing just everybody around him the way he does. Um, like it, it's just... You know, like if you have Richard Sherman on your team, he's getting a significant, um, he's getting a significant contract, which is going to be difficult, particularly if you're trying to bring back Jason Verrett. And like Richard Sherman has to be a starter, right? You can't have Richard Sherman on your team and just not and just bury him, you know, on the depth chart. Like that's I would just be not shocked work. if Richard Sherman's on the 49ers next year. Right, I would too. I would too, and I think Sherman has already said as much. Point being, they need cornerbacks aside from Jason Verrett. So, do you want to bring back Akella Witherspoon? You know, if Akella Witherspoon is unsigned in April or May after the draft, and you know he'll he'll take a minimal contract, bring him back. But I, I would not make Akella Witherspoon a priority. Um, but I think you know it wouldn't it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if he's your third or fourth corner going into next season. I think Witherspoon still has a pretty high ceiling, but he just hasn't been consistent. And I don't know if that consistency will ever come, but I think just given his ceiling, I don't think that's, that would be a bad play to, to bring him back to be next year's, you know, Dante Johnson or whatever. Right. Um, so maybe that way I, I would, I think they have to draft a corner and potentially two corners, maybe a slot corner because you might you might not be able to bring back Kwan Williams because he might get, you know, a, a deal the 49ers can't afford from somewhere else. So um the draft is really the number one for me. I think they probably need to draft two corners at least. Um and if they have ten picks, that wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. Um bring back Emmanuel Mosley, try to bring back Jason Verrett, um, and add two draft picks to the equation and then fill out um, fill out the rest of the roster on the margins, whether that's Ken Webster or, you know, whatever, maybe you can, um, get somebody who you like off somebody else's practice squad that you can develop. I don't know. Um, but they, they need to make significant investments. Um, basically from the top of the depth chart to the bottom, I think a corner because, um, and also depends on who the coordinator is going to be because corner can be a very stylistic position as we've seen, and we we don't know if the Niners are going to run the same exact scheme or if they're going to run something different. Um, right. I'd imagine they'd run the same sort of cover three, single high scheme, but you know we don't we don't know what that what the defense is going to look like yet because we don't know who the coordinator is going to be. So, but yeah, cornerback is is a a very very big issue for the 49ers this offseason. So resign three, draft two. Is your guess? Yeah, that's my guess. Okay. Maybe trade for somebody. I think I agree. Maybe I can if you see trade them for Deshaun Watson. Maybe you trade Jimmy Garoppolo and a pick to the Saints for Marshawn Lattimore so they can get out of salary cap hell. Sure. I like that idea. Um. I think they wind up losing Kwan Williams because I think there's going to be a team that uh, a smart team that pays him something close to the top of the market because he's a really good slot defender and that's very valuable in the NFL today. And it wouldn't surprise me if they did bring back a guy like um, uh, Jamar Taylor, who played pretty well in, in Williams' absence. So I think yeah. I think you're probably pretty right on there. Um, let's go to the next one here on the on the list. Also in the secondary, strong safety. Tavarius Moore played there toward the end of this season, played pretty well. I think he told you guys, you, you guys, the 49ers reporters, that he was going to bulk up a little bit to to take on the responsibilities of a, of a strong safety. Um, even still, if he is going to be the starter, they need 
depth at that position and maybe somebody to compete for a starting job because Moore was was pretty hit and miss this year. Right. And and I think the the spot you're really trying to upgrade potentially is Marcel Harris's. Right, because if you do right. like you do need depth and if you do lose a safety then you know, if you if you lose Jimmy Ward who has a long injury history, if you lose him, then Tavarius Moore is playing free safety and then um you're playing Marcel Harris or or whoever else, right? So like I I think just a a, a strong safety, somebody you think might have long term potential. Um you don't know how long Jimmy Ward's gonna play, right? He signed for the next two years. Um so you don't know how long you can project him to be playing at a high level of free safety going forward. So maybe Tarvarius Moore is going to be the long-term free safety after Ward, and then you have to start thinking about strong safety. So I just think that spot, whether it's, you know, um, somebody who you might be able to play at linebacker like the team did with Harris for, for a spell there midway through the year, um, or just a natural strong safety who can help you out on special teams like Harris does, um, I, I just think that's another spot that, that the 49ers could could use another body. Yeah, even if it's yeah, even if it's it's depth, it, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a sixth or seventh round pick. Uh, they just they they're gonna. That's the thing is they have forty plus free agents. Like at some point, they're just going to need players to fill out a roster, and that's right. one spot they're gonna have to fill out the roster at. And if they I initially went in throughout the season thinking, okay, Tart is probably going to be priced out of of their their price range, so th- that's going to be a really high priority. But now that Tavarius Moore has played there and played played all right, I I think it's less of a priority. But like you said, they still need they still need bodies at that spot. What about the Sam linebacker position? Uh, which Aziz Alshire took over after the Quan Alexander trade. I think Alshire played well enough to get a look as the starter, but I don't think that they can confidently go in with him as the only player they have who might start at that spot. Yeah, I just think they need depth at linebacker. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know that it necessarily needs to be a starter, um, but, you know, with... With Fred Warren in the middle, he's one of the most. He's he's actually the most durable guy in the team. I would, I guess over the last three years, given he's the I, one of the only guys who hasn't missed a game. Um, but I, I just think you you know Aziz Alshire is fine. Um, you could certainly afford to upgrade that spot, but I I just think you need depth at linebacker because Quan Alexander was part of the plan, the long term plan, and and. Um, it became easier to move on from him because Drake Greenlaw evolved pretty quickly into into a strong starting caliber player. Um, and, you know, maybe Al Shire keeps improving and, and proves to be uh, somebody you could feel comfortable with at that Sam linebacker spot. But, you know, I, I think if you used a mid-round draft pick on another linebacker, um it would certainly be justified and, and just from a depth perspective. So, you know, if somebody's hurt, you, you don't have to play, you know, Joe Walker, um, you know, right. give him meaningful snaps or whatever. Right. So I think, uh, I, I think linebacker just, just to add depth behind Greenlaw and, and Warner wouldn't hurt, probably not using a premium draft pick on it. Um, and maybe Demetrius Flanagan fouls continues, to develop and um and maybe he's somebody who you incorporate into your plans a little bit more next year but i think they could they could certainly use another linebacker at least just to you know play special teams um get a lot of run in the preseason and and potentially develop into somebody down the road because you know with warner set to get a huge contract there, there probably isn't going to be a big contract for another linebacker, so maybe finding a potential, you know, rookie who you might feel comfortable developing into a starter down the line. If you know, whenever Dre Green, Dre Greenlaw's free agency is what two years? Yep. You know, like if you're paying Warner top of the market, are you going to give Dre Greenlaw a, another contract, or are you going to, you know, potentially let him leave and and fill him in fill it in his spot with, you know, somebody on a rookie deal. Maybe, maybe you get that right. player this off season. We'll see. But, 
Um, yeah, I just think they could use some depth there. And the last one is the one that I think probably goes at the top of this list. In fact, it is a position that I think they address with their first draft pick, whenever that may be, is defensive end. Their defensive end depth uh, is not great. You have Nick Bosa, who I expect to be fine after after recovering from a torn ACL. But John Lynch said in his year-end presser that D Ford may not be ready to come back for the start of the year. We don't know if he'll be ready to play at all. Um, and then after that, uh, Kerry Hyder's a free agent. Ronald Blair had a setback with, with his ACL recovery last year and is going to be a free agent. Um, and outside of that, I don't think they had a ton of players worth uh, bringing back to be at least focal points at at the starting defensive end position or or in nickel packages. Like, Deion Jordan's not that guy. Uh, Ezekiel Ansa is not going to be that guy. They have Jordan Willis, who I think is is a rotational guy. Only they need another starter at that spot or or another situational pass rusher. And so I think that's probably their biggest defensive need. And I think they they address it really early in the draft. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, we know one thing that John Lynch has made very clear throughout his tenure is that they are building everything they do defensively, starting with the defensive line. Um, so they want to they want to win up front and then let everything sort of work itself out after that. Um, and so yeah, they they need somebody opposite Nick Bosa. Um, if you have two really good defensive ends, uh, you can only you know really have one like you can only compensate with you only have so many resources offensively if you're compensating for two if you're trying to play against two really good defensive ends right and that was apparent yep. in 2019 there was just a tangible difference with D Ford on the field um, it makes it more difficult to double team your interior players. Eric Armstead is obviously better as a defensive tackle when it comes to pass rushing. Um, so you would like to have him there instead of outside. Um, Kerry Hyder's a free agent. You're the, the guy who led the team in sacks this year, who they brought in to be sort of, I guess, their third or, or maybe even fourth defensive end this year, ended up leading the team in sacks and playing a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and playing probably, pretty well. Yeah, and probably priced him out of the 49ers um, price range. So, like... Yeah, there's no doubt about it. If they, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they use a first round pick. Um, if not in the first round, definitely in rounds two or three. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they got multiple pass rushers in this draft, just because, mm-hmm. like you said, you don't want to be in a scenario where you know Deion Jordan and Alex Barrett are getting third down snaps <laughs> in games that during the stretch run of the season. Um, so yeah, I'm totally with you. I think that's probably the most important that and cornerback, um, depending on how things shake out with, with their free agents, they, they have to, they have to build back up that defensive end spot opposite Nick Bosa, because, um, you just need, you, you just can't allow the offenses you're going against to devote resources to Nick Bosa and not have a counter punch to it. Yep. Um, so whether or not I don't know if D Ford's ever going to be healthy again, um, I don't know if they're going to be able to just cut him if he can't pass a physical. Um, I'm sure there's some stipulation in his contract that guarantees a lot of money for him. You know, injury guarantees if he can't um, if he can't pass a physical. So I, I I just don't know. Like nobody knows what's going to happen with D Ford. I don't think right now, and I think the 49ers are very are hoping maybe he could get healthy and contribute if they can't just cut him. Um, but you can't, if you're the 49ers, you can't go into next season counting on D Ford providing sort of a, you know, a pro bowl presence opposite Nick Bosa, like you could when he was on the field in, in 2019. Yeah. I don't really have a lot to add. It's an important position. They need multiple players at that spot. And, <laughs> The new defensive coordinator is certainly going to matter a little bit, but no matter who is is scheming up the defense, you need you need pass rushers. So, yeah. All right, that.
that's all the 49ers have to do, and then they'll be back in the Super Bowl. You're welcome. Yeah. We've done Shout it. Shout out to John Lynch. I'm sure he's listening. <laughs> uh, very good. We will probably... Are we going to do one more pod this week? Sure. Uh, one more pod this week, and then uh, I am taking some time off and getting away for a little bit, and then we will be back, and we'll dive headfirst into the offseason and uh, start to see how things kind of shake out there. So subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't, and we'll see you guys next time. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com